This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion, part of the Blood Red umbrella of podcasts, along with, of course, Ali Rouge, the brilliant Ali Rouge, and all of the podcasts. Uh, the Blood Red podcast that the Liverpool Echo do. Uh, this is Poetry in Motion, of course, with me, Neil Fitz, joined by uh, two giants of the Liverpool Echo, two great sports journalists in their own right. Theo Squires is with us. Hello, Theo. How are you, pal? Not too bad, Fitzy. How are you? Uh, I am fine, mate. I'm okay. I'm I'm fit and fit to burst. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm winning. Uh, Dan Kay is here. Hello, Dan. How are you, pal? I'm very well, thank you, Fitzy. Good to be back uh, in the fold and uh, looking, hopefully, to see the Reds kick on and hopefully get us a little trip to Wembley soon. Well, let's hope so. Let's talk about that and other things as well. I mean, uh, you know, we've we, we've gone through that 10-game period that took us to the Chelsea game. Um, out of that 10-game period, Dan, uh, we lost one, drew two. Normally, you're thinking, yeah, that's good. Seven points dropped out of 30. You know what? That's really good. That's championship winning form, isn't it? It's league winning form, really. It's not too bad at all. Of course, we've got the imperious... Um, uh, Manchester City uh, and and also impervious by the looks of it as well, who have just won everything, won every game, stretched the seven-point lead into an 11-point lead, or four-point lead it was, I think it was. Um, so we find ourselves coming off the back of that huge fixture. Of course, they're always, they're always jam-packed, the fixtures, but that was a particularly jam-packed December and New Year kind of uh, calendar uh, month, wasn't it? Um, we're, we're now 11 points behind with a game in hand. Uh, Dan, is the league over for you, my friend? Never, never. This is Liverpool Football Club we're talking about here. Anyone who thinks that, as far as I'm concerned, has got no real right to call themselves a Liverpool supporter. Obviously, you know, you've got to be realistic. City are favourites. City were favourites from the start. But there's still, you know, the best part of half a season to go. Obviously, they're in pole position. But, you know, I can tell you for one thing, Jurgen Klopp certainly won't be throwing those towels in. And he won't allow anyone in his squad to throw any towels in. And I think it would be foolish to do it because there's a lot of football left to play for. Yes, City have a handsome league at least. I think if we win our game in hand, they have an eight-point advantage over us. <clears throat> obviously, we have still yet to go to the Etihad. I think the big kind of the big hope for us, obviously, obviously they're gonna have to drop some points, whether that's three defeats or four or five draws or whatever. Um, I think what will be interesting is when Europe kicks in again, which you know, which is basically a month away, isn't it? Once we get into mid-February, um, obviously. You know, there is enormous pressure on them due to their gargantuan investment over the last 10, 15 years to win Europe's Premier Cup competition, which they still have not done. And they've only got to one final. Um, so, you know, you look at their squad and they should be well capable of fighting and competing on both fronts and going potentially going all the way on both fronts. But they haven't done it yet. And as we saw last season, particularly in the final against Chelsea in Lisbon, they kind of overthought themselves and kind of, you know, really, I, I think a lot of people feel, I, mem- I remember we're hearing that the team had dropped before and then they basically kind of handicapped themselves a little bit. So it will be really interesting to see how <clears throat> how that <clears throat> how that affects them. The other thing I always go on about as well <clears throat> is the fact that, you know, th- three points for a win. You know, I'm generally quite old school and kind of, you know, football, music, every, life was better in the old days, blah, blah, blah. Three, th- th- when, when they... Brought, changed it to three points for instead of two, I think, in the early 80s. That does give an opportunity for a big lead to become a little lead, very small. I always remember the first season City won the league in the modern era, the Aguero 2012 one. Pretty sure when they lost at, at Arsenal on Easter Sunday, when Balotelli was sent off, they were eight points behind with six games to go. 
and they still had time to basically blow it and then just about get themselves back in it. So, yeah, City are favourites. They always were favourites, but I actually think it kind of suits Liverpool coming up on the blind side with, with lesser expectations. So let's just let, let's just keep winning. Obviously, very important to to get that win against Brentford on Saturday because Liverpool have gone three match three league matches without a win. But just keep picking the points up and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely, Theo. I mean. You know, Chelsea sort of slipping away a little bit. You, Thomas Tuchel saying that they're shattered, you know, they, they, they're too many games and they're knackered. You don't really know where they are, blah, 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 blah. Uh, if we win our games in hand on Chelsea, we go seven points clear of Chelsea, um, uh, I believe, if we win, because we've got two games in hand on Chelsea, I think. Um, do you think the two-horse race? I mean, like, like Dan says, look, it's a long shot. City, I was very impressed with City against Chelsea, although I always find that Chelsea don't seem to want to play against City, whereas they'll have a go against us. But they seem to sit back and allow City. They did it at Stamford Bridge as well. Didn't come into the game at all. Um, but, you know, barring from a piece of world-class football from a world-class footballer, um, that was that could have been a nil-nil. That could have been two points dropped. Um, you still feel like there's a chance for Liverpool, Theo? Uh, I'm a bit disappointed by how it's all gone, really. like It was this big four-horse race, wasn't it, in pre-season. Everyone was bigging it up as our United are in there as well. Quickly became clear that that was a three-horse race. And then COVID, with players being out, the African Cup of Nations and injuries, just killed it for Chelsea completely and almost killed it for Liverpool. So it's hard to see Chelsea getting it back now because now they've got the players back and they're still, there's something not quite right for them. They've got depth, but it's still an imbalanced squad, whereas Liverpool have got the balance. But it's just because it's City and they've done it so many times, it now feels more like a one and a half horse race. Liverpool are just clinging on in there. They can't afford to drop too far back. But it's going to be tough just because it's what City do. I remember when they beat us to the title by a point, Liverpool were clear for most of it, weren't they? And City had those games in hand and you think, Oh, they, they're going to lose at some point. They're going to lose at some point. They're going to draw at some point. We got that desperate. Just draw a game so we can say it's Liverpool's title. And they won 18 of 19 in the second half of the season, which was ridiculous. And it's what they're capable of doing. Like when they get into that run of form, just think, when are they going to drop points? And if they're not going to drop points at Chelsea, then it's hard to see them dropping it at the smaller teams. Like you, you could have faith in Liverpool going to the Etihad and getting a result. Uh, they've done it before. But it's, are they going to drop enough points along the way? But then uh, and Klopp said it himself, Liverpool can't allow themselves to think about Man City. They can't have to worry about their situation. They've just got to focus on themselves and get the job done themselves. They've got to be sure that they are in touching distance if City slip up so they can try and take advantage when, if City slip up. If you're thinking about it and putting pressure on yourself of we have to stay in this title race, that's when the mistakes are going to creep in. If Liverpool just take it game at a time and do it that way, it's probably their best chance. And then at least they've got these other competitions to focus on. Like We know City will want to win the Champions League. They'll desperately want to win the Champions League. And I believe Guardiola is leaving, is it next year? So this is his what, penultimate chance to do it. Otherwise, he's saying, what well, is he a failure at Man City? He's won a few league titles, but so did Mancini, so did Pellegrini. You've still not delivered the Champions League, which was essentially what you're brought in to do. And But Liverpool, you'd fancy them in Europe more than Man City at the moment, given what the two sides have done, the squads, the managers and everything about them. And then, as we mentioned before, we've got the League Cup final. Hopefully, Liverpool can look forward to it. Hopefully, we'll be able to say that in, uh, what, 24, 36 hours' time. And then FA Cup, well, might as well just have a go at it. But Chelsea dropping off, you can, unlike last year, you can be confident Liverpool are going to be in the top four and they'll probably be second. At the very least, they should finish second. So then you can be a bit stronger in these 
cup competitions, you can focus on Europe more, rotate rotate your squad a bit better. And while Liverpool have had to have these injuries and COVID cases and lost players to the Cup of Nations, they have still got quite a bit of depth there. Like there are a few holes in the squad where you'd like an improvement on some of the options. Like we'd, I'm sure we'd all like uh, another Jota in the front three, someone of that quality who you trust a bit more than Origi or a Minamino. But Minamino and Origi can still deliver. Like the midfield, they've got so many options there as well. If they can stay fit, they can rotate the squad as they go along and they can manage it quite well. And then, well, we've seen Liverpool get stung by having all these players not being able to train because when they thought they were testing positive for COVID, Chelsea suffered the same. Man City haven't. There's nothing to say City won't get an outbreak themselves at some point and then it all comes unstuck. Just seems a bit, I don't know, strange that this was the year that it was supposed to be difficult for City, that they didn't have a striker. They they wanted a striker. They wanted Harry Kane. They had a hundred million bid rejected, and they didn't get a striker. Yet they're still comfortably clear at the top with the best depth in the league. And it's no surprise that the squad with the best depth is the squad at the top of the league. When you see others like Liverpool and Chelsea, who were just as good alongside them in a when it said even ground battle, dropping back. And then you look at the teams with the smallest squads like Burnley in the relegation zone, with like five six ridiculous games in hand now. It's been a strange few weeks for the Premier League and just a shame that, what, a month ago, six weeks ago, it was, oh, the festive periods could be defining for the title race. It really exciting, really heats up. Chelsea, Liverpool and City have all got to play each other and we've come out of it and it's just, oh, this could just be City's year again. They could just canter to the finish line. But there's still a chance. Just need to keep putting the pressure on, keep doing the jobs and hope at some point City um, drop points. I, they did the 18 and 19. Surely they can't do two-thirds of the season just winning every game. That would be obscene. Yeah, I mean, it's not beyond them. I, I watched the Chelsea game, and, and I think the thing about City that impresses me, even though, you know, they're worth a gazillion quid to get that, but they, they work hard. They work hard. They press hard. Um, and they and they retrieve the ball quick. And, and there's a lot. Liverpool are notoriously um, uh, good towards the end of the season. They seem to pick up momentum and they do well. So do City. The good thing we've got in our favour, Dan, is that we, we play them at the Etihad with about seven games to go after it. Um, so if we can, if we win our game in hand, it gets away behind them. And then we're still both winning the games. And if they're winning as, and as long as we're winning ours, if we can nip them at the Etihad, no, it's not, listen, it's no mean feat and it's no small uh, job to do. But if we can, we come away with that. Uh, five points. That's two games with seven to go. You just never know. But I think you summed it up in the first little speech you said. You just can't write us off. You never can write us off. And as Theo's just said, these things turn around in a heartbeat. Before Christmas, it was a completely different kind of landscape, wasn't it? Um, so there's still chances. The irony of it this time, of course, is um, instead of them being tied up the Carabao Cup, we are. We've got a game, um, a, a, you know, a winner-takes-all game against Arsenal, obviously, uh, tomorrow night. Um and uh, do you see that being something that's, again, it's another dilemma, Dan, isn't it, for, for Jürgen Klopp about who he kind of plays? Because, you know, we're already lacking players because of the of the uh, the AFCON and, uh, and and he wants to keep the momentum going in the league. So, you know, but does he not just put them in for one game? One game gets us to the final. <clears throat> well, I, I think we saw from the, the lineup that he named for the first leg at Anfield that he's taking, now we're in the semi-finals and Man City are out. He is very much taking this seriously. I think in a perfect world... If there'd been a better performance and a better result last Thursday, then he might have been able to freshen things up tomorrow at the Emirates if if Liverpool had, say, a three or four goal lead. Obviously, that's not the case. So I would expect to see pretty much as close to a full-strength side as we can pick, obviously bearing in mind the absentees that we've got at the moment. This is obviously another tough game, another very important game on Sunday afternoon at Crystal Palace. Where, um, <clears throat> but, you know, there's been some encouraging signs in terms of one or two people 
coming back from injury. Um, I, th- I think Pep Linder said in his press conference today that Oxlade-Chamberlain, unlikely to be available for Thursday night, but he might be available for, for Palace. Harvey Ellis and, and Divock Origi as well. Probably aren't going to be available for either of those, but we might be looking at them for after the international break. So there are there are heads coming. Sorry, well, winter break or whatever you're calling it. Obviously, by that by the time that happens, um, you would hope that we'd have one, two, or or three of the African lads back as well. But it's 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 a semi final. There's been a lot said about domestic cups and Klopp's attitude towards them over the years. I do, you know, as someone that's you know grew up during the European ban in the 80s and when the other cups, particularly the FA Cup, were massive. I do get where people were coming from. At the same time, I don't. I haven't got a massive... I've never massively taken the hunt with Klopp about it because ultimately he has to cut his cloth accordingly and he doesn't have the same kind of squad as City where, you know, where they can literally have, you know, five £50 million reserves on the bench. But <clears throat> it's, it's, it's now a second-leg semi. There's Chelsea in the final at Wembley, you know, literally two games away from a trophy. And I think I expect Klopp to go strong tomorrow and Liverpool to go all out for the win. Um, a lot, you know, obviously, it wasn't a great performance last week. Um, I think maybe there was a, a narrative kind of starting to take hold afterwards. Oh, well, Arsenal are favourites now. They've done the hard bit. And that might that might that might actually just play into Liverpool's hands a little bit. The pressure's on Arsenal now. They won't be. They, you know, the, the sending off of Shaka of, of obviously kind of killed the game a little bit because they were more than content to just park the bus and sit in there. But at home with obviously their own chance to get to Wembley and their own chance to win a trophy after a pretty dismal few years for them. There's a lot of pre- there's a lot of pressure and expectation on their shoulders now. And it will be interesting to see how they actually cope with that. I actually fancy Liverpool to win the game tomorrow night and and and, and, go, and go to Wembley. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. You talk about uh, Oxley Chamberlain being Injured, of course, Thiago Alcantara, they're talking about after the international break again with his hip injury, with Origi as well. Um, ironic, Theo, isn't it, that if you look at AFCON, um, Naby Keita is tearing the tournament up. He's been man of the match three times, I think. Scores, I don't know whether you guys listen to this, guys and girls listen to this at the moment, have seen the goal he scored for Guinea it's against gonna... Zimbabwe. They got beat 2-1, but they've gone through to the last 16 anyway. But it is an absolute screamer, and it's exactly what every Liverpool fan thought we were going to get week in, week out from Naby Keita uh, when we signed and waited 12 months from, and then he, he finally hit. Of course, what he what he's done is deliver, you know, injury after injury. And, he, and but when you see him doing that, that is exactly the player we wanted, Theo, wasn't it? It was exactly the player we bought. And you know, I know he's a confidence player. If he can keep doing that, and 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 fingers crossed, he doesn't, you know, pull a muscle in his back, peeling the lid off a yogurt. Um, <laughs> We get we can get a player back there because we're missing that kind of midfield dynamo, aren't we? You know, when you play, Fabinho doesn't get forward as much as he should because when he does, he's an absolute delight. But obviously, he's anchoring the back four, isn't he? He's making that sort of fifth fifth element there. Um, and when you have a midfield that, that contains Henderson and Milner, you've got no real threat, have you? Let's be honest with you. So we need that kind of midfield kind of push, don't we? And Naby Keita's tearing it up at the moment, let's say, yeah, but he's a YouTube player, hasn't he? He's always been a YouTube player. Probably didn't help that Liverpool signed him a year before he could actually join up. So all we're doing is watching him on YouTube and Bundesliga <laughs> highlights. So you're just seeing his best bits and you're not seeing those moments where he's going out of games. But I've got to choose my words carefully here. Maybe he just prefers being a big fish in a small pond. Like he's Guinea's captain. He is their biggest player by far. And at Leipzig, he was one of their star players as well. He could be trusted, and he was just dragging them through games, scoring these goals. Like I'm not sure how big they are in uh, in terms of the favourites for the Cup of Nations this year, 
but it still seems like almost a surprise for them to have got through as comfortably as they did. The fact that they could lose the last game and still go through in second place, it seems like they've got a talented squad for what they have done in the past with Cater key to that. But he's never going to be the big fish at Liverpool. Like maybe if he'd come in and been that the YouTube player wasn't just this representation of him missing glimpses. That's what we get in 90 minutes week in week out. He could have been this big fish. But Fabinho's the first name in Liverpool's midfield. And then you've probably got your captain. And then you've got Thiago. Like you might want a bit more offensively. Like we've seen him have some great moments. Like against Manchester United at Old Trafford this year, he was superb before he came off. And he did have a really good run of games. But then he gets injured at bad times. And you're hoping that it could be the start for him to have go on a run and be great again. But then we've said that so many times now. He'll come back from the Cup of Nations and he'll be on the bench. He'll get he'll go in the games. He'll have a couple where he's not at his best. Then he'll play well for two, three games. And then he'll drop out. He'll get an injury or something. Or he'll lose form. He'll get substituted early. And it's just this cycle that goes on and on and on. But then in Liverpool's midfield, they always rotate. Like the only reason they haven't in recent weeks is because they haven't had the bodies there to rotate. But when everyone is available, you're going to have Oxley chamberlain in some games. You're going to have Curtis Jones in some games. You're going to have Harvey Elliott now. when he, Now he's back in some games. And it's just what is the best for that, that those matches. Uh, we know he's a talented player. He's out of contract in, what, 2023. So he's one of these that's almost playing for his future, playing for another contract. And Liverpool have been in the situation with Gino Wijnaldum and Emre Chan, where they've just thought, we're not going to get better than you. We're just going to let you on a free transfer if you're not going to agree new terms. But they've got a number of players who's coming out of contract now and they can't really afford to say, yeah, we're just going to wave goodbye to the money we spent on you. So what do you do? Does Cater play well enough to get a new contract and you take these injuries he picks up? Or do you try and cash in on him? Because it just doesn't make... They can't keep letting players go for free if they want to try and strengthen the squad and move on. In Cater's case, at least he's one of the younger ones. So you could say... He, can have a future at the club. He can be this long-term option. You might have to accept that he's not going to be available week in, week out, but he is capable of winning games. He just needs to be managed the right way. Like Guinea, we've seen him have these big moments time and time again. Hopefully he'll have a few more in the, the Cup of Nations and come back full of confidence. But he's never going to live up to YouTube reels, is he? Like That is not an accurate representation of what you expect to see from a player for 90 minutes week in, week out. No, it's not. You're right. I, I, I've always, I've often said Dan as well, and and uh, I think what I think if there's if Liverpool are lacking anything, really that 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 difference that that that, that puts them aside from Manchester City at the moment, it's probably summed up by the by the the, the goal against Chelsea the other day. That was looking for a nil niller. We, I, I feel like Liverpool um, are lacking that player that can deliver from outside the box, can drop a shoulder, kill one into the top corner, can at least prize the nine men out the box that we get. 90% of the games Liverpool play, teams are just giving us possession and they're sitting back and, and their brief is sit back. Liverpool hold a high defensive line. Leave one or two of us up front, put the other nine or eight or nine in the box, frustrate them so they can't. So all they're doing is running down the wings and uh, Trent or Robbo are lifting balls in. You know, you're, you're lowering your percentage of scoring, aren't you, when they've got eight and nine defending that against two or three in the box. We just missed that, you know, the the, the, the majestic kind of um, sweep of the of the right foot from from um, De Bruyne that gives them three points. And ironically, the last player I feel that we had that could do that on a consistent basis is Philippe Coutinho, who um, Stephen pulling off a masterstroke um, has got a villa, and it, it is a bit like watching your ex girlfriend with a new fella uh, putting on the villa shirt, comes on the bench, turns the game around, does that wonderful thing that Philippe Coutinho does when he's in his prime which is bursting forward with the ball, causing trouble. He did, he, um, 
you know, within 15 minutes, he's he's assisted and he's uh, and he scored the equalising goal. I hope to God Dan Kane, Theo Squires, in a few years' time, it comes out that Liverpool never had a chance to get that kid back at Anfield because Barcelona just wouldn't have given him up to us because they paid so much money for him and didn't want us buying him back for a fraction because if I find out that we just said, no, he's been here, we've been there and done that, we don't want that kind of player back, it would be very... From my, it's only my point of view, so you can all slaughter me if you want, but... He is exactly the kind of player that keeps you in a championship race, in a, in, a, in a premiership race, just because he can drop that shoulder and he can give an opposing team something else to think about. I did think of you, Fitzy, when I seen uh, that goal going on Saturday night, because I know you've been banging the drum to get him back to Anfield for quite some time now. You know, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've been consistent right the way through that. I, you know, I, I enjoyed his time in the Liverpool shirt, but I was not one of those that 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 would have um, been particularly keen to see him come back. However, you know, that that's slightly caveated. caveated. Uh, you know, I, I completely agree with what you say about, you know, the, the you know the, say the, the weakest part, but what this Liverpool team is lacking, certainly in comparison to City, is that extra goal threat from midfield, which obviously was very amply uh, demonstrated by De Bruyne's superb winner against Chelsea on Saturday. I mean, I think we all thought that, you know, and I've seen a couple of people mention this online over, over the last couple of weeks that, you know, best part of well over £100 million was spent on the likes of, certainly when you include wages, on the likes of Keita, Thiago, Alcantara and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain to give Liverpool that threat from midfield. And all three of them, over the course of their Liverpool careers, have shown wonderful flashes here and there. But all three of them seem to be made of crisps. And, and, and you know, we've not had enough consistent football out of any of them. And that's why that kind of glaring lack of threat from midfield um, at Liverpool is is so evident. And obviously, the arrival of Coutinho puts that into kind of puts that into some context. It's it's a huge boost for us to have. Uh, you know, made up Curtis Jones is back, and I thought he was arguably Liverpool's best player against Brentford on Sunday. Uh, he's still finding his finding his feet again and getting sharpness back after. What, what was it, two or three months out with, you know, what was seen like quite a serious eye injury. Uh, and obviously fantastic that that Harvey Elliott, uh, yesterday was pictured back in full training for Liverpool after that horrendous uh, fracture he suffered at Leeds in September. I remember at the time people saying, you know, fact, you know and, and his initial kind of postings on social media that it looked to be a clean break. I remember saying to people, he's young, you'd like to think the bones would admit well. I always kind of thought, we'd, I always thought and hoped we'd see him again this season. I didn't think it would potentially be back in trading, but I mean, I'd be surprised if we see him in the in the first team in the next three, in next two, three, four weeks. I think Klopp will want to give him, um, you know, a, a, enough enough get enough training time to get his sharpness up. But I think it's it's not it's now not unrealistic to assume we might see him before February's out, and potentially have him for March, April, and May. Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott are a different level to Kevin De Bruyne and Thiago Alcantara, and you know, and, and, and you know, it wouldn't be a fair comparison to heap that kind of pressure on their shoulders. I think ultimately it is something Liverpool are going to need to look at when they next go into the transfer market. You know, with the, the Henderson and Milner are wonderful players, fantastic servants for the club, but obviously they are both getting on a bit. I, I have to admit, I was slightly surprised when I saw them both named <clears throat> named to start against Arsenal because I kind of generally feel most of the time it, you're looking at one or the other. I don't generally want to see both of them in, in a three-man midfield. So, but I think for now... You know, obviously, we'd all love to see all of a sudden Liverpool pulling a rabbit out of a hat and signing a, a sexy attacking midfielder. 
before the end of this window to give us a real kick on into the the closing stages of this campaign, I wouldn't hold me breath. You know, Theo might know a little bit more about that than me have with his ear closest to the, the transfer transfer grindstone. But <clears throat> I think we will just have to make do, and hopefully, you know, <clears throat> some of those players I've talked about, the younger lads and the likes of Thiago and Cater, if they can flip and well stay fit, they're top class, top class experienced footballers who hopefully the time may yet be now for them to really start punching their weight and give Liverpool a really nice kick into the, the business end of the season. Yeah, definitely. It's vitally important we've got that kind of player. Harvey Elliott looks to me like he's going to be something special. We don't know yet, but he looks like, for the kid of his age, who made the impact he did in the few games he had before he was injured, looks like he's got something. Curtis Jones, interestingly, um, Jürgen Klopp was quite vocal uh, recently about sort of saying he needs to see the next level from Curtis Jones. He needs to, he needs to know what kind of player he is. He starts off with a lot of promise, but he feels like he may have stalled. And for him to sort of say that publicly was a bit of an interesting one and maybe a little bit of a, you know, a passive-aggressive kick in the backside for Curtis Jones to say, look, you need to press on now. You need to push on. You've, you've shown a lot of promise, but you need to take it to the next level. Um, barring, a, 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 you know, a, a, a Telemans um, bid uh, over the next uh, few weeks, which is highly unlikely, um, I think Dan's right, but probably couldn't come out of this uh, transfer window without actually strengthening uh, certainly in midfield, and you have to you'd have to uh, wonder what they're going to do about that because it is definitely an area that we that we need to strengthen. I was I, I love Milner, I think he's great and he's a ledge and all that kind of stuff. But when he when he came on against Chelsea and when he pushed um, the Chelsea player for a free kick, I mean, I, honestly, I could have put my fist through the TV because it was such a lazy, stupid, the kind of thing you'd expect from a seventeen-year-old kid making his debut, not someone with the experience. Of um, of Milner and it was so frustrating because it was just a tired, lazy push over, wasn't it? And of course they they, they scored regardless of being a bit of a fluke uh, and a great effort from from um, uh, Jokovic, uh, not um, Jovanovic, was it? Can't remember his name now. Uh, the was it? Who was it? So the Croatian one, Kovacic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can never remember his name. Um, it was a bit of a fluky goal, but having said that, you know, it was just that that annoying kind of push over, wasn't it? That, that that's. That's got to always mm. give a free kick away. Um, anything, anything in it? Do you indeed have your ear to the grindstone? Do you know what's going on? Do you have you heard anything, or is it uh, going to be another quiet window for us, Theo? I'm expecting it to be another quiet one. Um, there have been some comments from Jurgen Klopp that have hinted as that really, like he said in one press conference, he hadn't considered what vaccination status would have on transfers because they weren't close to signing anyone. And then there was one where he says he considered a good January transfer to be one you plan to bring in last summer or the one you plan to bring in this summer, with Van Dijk being the example given. So it just seems like Liverpool aren't in a position to go out and do it now. They're happy with the squad they've got, but there will need to be changes in the summer. Like it, Just with the contracts coming out, like with no Salah, Mane, Firmino, they all expire in 2023. Milner's this summer. Origi's this summer. Uh, Kate Oxley Chamberlain in 2023, Thiago's 2024. And these are players for the majority that are either the wrong side of 30 now or getting close to that wrong side of 30. So the next generation of Liverpool is coming and they're going to have to choose who's staying put and who's moving on. Um, we know the next youngsters coming through who seemingly are going to take their places, like Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott, are just going to get more and more important. Cade Gordon looks like a talented one who can come in and go into that first team squad uh, slot as a squad player for now and then push on. Tyler Morton's been great this season, but they still need those few bodies around them. You can't just rely on what you've got in the academy. You need to have that overall collection. But then 
I think Liverpool, they don't like signing in January, do they? But like when you look at what they have done in January under Jurgen Klopp, they've got the success with Virgil van Dijk, but that was one they wanted the, the previous summer. The ones they've done where it's just been reacting to circumstances at the time, they haven't paid off. So like Stephen Colker, Jurgen Klopp came out and said like a month after he signed, yeah, probably shouldn't have done that one. What if we <laughs> didn't need him? Um, ben Davis, hey, I was in... That's <laughs> ben Davis knows in Kabak last year. Yeah, I can understand. They were needed at the time. They did need centre-backs. Uh, Kabak did all right for a bit, but we're still looking back at last season and going, Reese Williams and Nat Phillips were the heroes there. It wasn't O's and Kabak. Those were the two that got Liverpool over the line. And maybe they needed those extra bodies to push those two on so they could hold on to those places and make sure the the, the rest. But yeah, Liverpool are better when they plan things. And they've got to have something in mind here because, as I said earlier, they can't just let these players go for free because then they're not getting the transfer fees in unless FSG are going to put their hands in the pocket and go and spend big on players. They can't just rely on the next generation of kids to come through and fill all the gaps because, granted, United's crop of, uh, was it class of 92, did brilliantly in 92-93 and did all that success for them in the early 90s. But that's, what, 30 years ago. It's not going to happen now, is it? Football is so different when you're up against Man City. And then you can't just rely on this experience to just keep on going. Because like we're saying with James Milner now, he's been a great servant for Liverpool Football Club. And you don't want to say his legs are gone because you know on training, he's still going to be smashing all those tests, smashing all those runs and being one of the fittest players out there. But there's something there that's dropped off, is there? Like when he does play consistent runs of games, he gets injured and he's just not as sharp as he used to be. Maybe he can prove me wrong there and just have a really strong end to the season and earn another contract. But it kind of feels like it's a natural time for him to either go, you know what, I fancy stepping out and being a player coach here. I fancy being a coach here. I've had my time. I've won everything I want to win. And staying on the backroom staff or he goes somewhere else and is the older statesman and he plays a bit more there. He's been such a good servant for Liverpool. But he's you want him to maybe see out games and be that protective head, the experience there, but he's definitely offering more off the pitch than he's offering on it at the moment in the nicest possible way. And then like, well, Henderson will take that leadership role as that elder statesman. It's just about getting the balance right again. It's definitely almost at this transitional period where Liverpool have got to have to move bodies around, move bodies on and bring new faces in. It just won't be this month. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Another interesting one Stephen Gerrard's looking at, of course, is um, bringing back Luis Suarez. Suarez has said he's got an interest in going to Villa, and that'd be another coup, wouldn't it? I mean, it'd be a big wage thing. We'd probably get him on a free, but his wages will be big. But it's an interesting little thing Stevie's doing, isn't he? Getting Philip Coutinho and Suarez plays. Yeah. Obviously, it shows the pull as well of Stephen Gerrard as a manager, doesn't it? Because they, they both said the same thing. They're really keen to play with him. They love playing with him. They love, to, they love to play under him. It's a very, very interesting one. Pity you can't get him before their next game. I think they play... Everton at Goodison. Just have a quick second for Rafa. Uh, the party is over. Well, not party. Work event is over. Um, <laughs> or, or maybe it's a didn't work event. Um, I didn't think he'd come out of it with any integrity for Liverpool fans. He's come out with more because seemingly he was on a, a mission to destroy the club. Um, I mean, it's on a mission to destroy itself at the moment. And it's certainly not Rafa's fault. He's getting loads of stick. I, I have said from day one, I cannot and will not in a million years understand why he did what he did. I understand. I, I get that he's saying it publicly. It was a family thing. He wanted to be close to home. He wanted to be... But you know what? These days, you can get a helicopter up to Newcastle, can't you? I reckon he, he, if he'd have held out, he probably would have a Newcastle job. He'd love him there. Mm -hmm. And he would have had money to spend. Um, 
because equally as weird is 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 the Eddie Howe appointment, uh, and then and then the, the signing that just got from Burnley, really strange. But uh, that's like a championship striker signing. It's like they're almost um, they they've almost kind of resigned themselves to the fact that they're going to go down. So they want you know a big Australian thumping header forward. Very very strange signing. But um, anyway, for Rafa, um, strange one, mate, isn't it? But it was it was never going to win well, was it, Dan? No, I don't think it was. I mean, I'm I'm. There were plenty of Liverpool supporters who I remember at the time and over the last you know few days have said he, in their eyes he'd tarnished their legacy by taking that job. I never took that particular view. Um, I you know I'm got a slightly different perspective because my alpha was a blue. I get called purple sometimes because people think I'm not partisan enough. I, I don't mind seeing Everton do all right, obviously just as long as they don't do as well as us. So I wished him well, but um, as you and I think everybody, I think a blind man can see. Sacking another manager like Rafa Benitez is not all of a sudden going to be the panacea to all Everton's problems. That you know, there's been such a fundamental lack of strategy and lack of coherent thinking from the top down at that club for such a long period of time. They spent what is it under Mashiri in, in just under six years, best part of five hundred million pounds on I players. Six, I think it's six hundred million. May well be Cert- certainly far more than Liverpool, and a lot of it has been. Absolutely horrendously wasted, and unfortunately, they, they do seem to have a chairman who thinks he's playing Sabutio or Championship Manager. And a lot of blues I know are kind of despairing in the fact that yeah, there is a certain sense of relief. I think from an ever, I, I always drew the comparison even when he went there. I think for the for the blues, they must have felt a little bit like we did under Hodgson. Where is this even our club anymore? And I can very much see how even in the short term, having the likes of Duncan Ferguson, Leighton Blaine's back all of a sudden they feel like they've got a little bit more of their, of their identity back again. Um, and, you know, and uh, Goodison will be an absolutely, obviously, the quirk of the fixture list means that Steven Gerrard, Danny Ings, um, Coutinho, Luca Dean, having just gone from Villa to Everton, is going to be back there on Saturday. Goodison will be an absolute bear pit Saturday lunchtime. And I think it'll be a great watch, to be honest. I think it'll be, be a cracking game. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but in terms of Rafa, to be honest, I'm relieved for him, for him and his family that he's out the firing line. It, it it was unpleasant before it started. Uh, it you know there was you know, there was a little brief honeymoon when they would win like three out of the first four games, something like that. But it was just getting more and more toxic. And I know a lot of you know a lot of my Liverpool colleagues and and you know fellow supporters to, have, have taken a lot of pleasure in what's happened over the last couple of weeks. I haven't particularly. I just think it's all, it's all a bit sad. And I wish Everton would sort themselves out. To be honest, and you know this is what I I grew up in the eighties when Liverpool and Everton were the best two teams in Europe. And I, I want to, I want to see us beating them to win trophies again, not us laughing down our sleeves at them, um, in the you know, in what ta- in what at times feels a slightly patronising way. But um, yeah, good luck to Rafa. I, I I I'd like to see him take the Tranmere job if, if he's if he's that keen to stay on Merseyside. Get get Rovers back up where they belong in the in the second or third uh, tiers. Absolutely, should go for that. Um, I'm quite happy to laugh down my sleeve. I'll be honest with you over the. Over the um, <laughs> So we've got the uh, we've got the uh, semi-final, of course, of the EFL Cup to come, and then Palace, uh, and then we've got, of course, the uh, the FA Cup. A um, lot of fronts we're still on, we're still in every front, really, aren't we? Which is I- ironically, we're normally out of most of these by now. <laughs> and, um, quadruple still on. The quadruple is still on. You know what? I've said this before. I know Joe Rimmer is is one of that young band of 
young whippersnappers who doesn't have any kind of faith or any kind of interest in the FA Cup. Theo Squires, what do you... I mean, I've got to be honest with you. I am of the generation where the FA Cup is 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 massively important to me. I think it's a wonderful domestic trophy to win. It's a fantastic day out. It reminds me of watching the game with my dad. Obviously, we can go into the, the dark days as well, but there is a certain amount of investment that this club has in that trophy, good and bad. And... Um, and and I would love to see us have a go at it. And I know Jurgen Klopp's publicly said he's never he's never really uh, he, he's never treated it any less than anything else. But I think we know he has. I mean, I think it's I think I think we know the culture in Liverpool Football Club is to win Europe and not really care much about the domestic club. But I'd love to see a decent run in Kevin Keegan's words. I'd love it um, <laughs> if we could, if we could get a decent run in the FA Cup. Um, Cardiff, you know, as our next opponents means that there's a very good chance that we could progress. Would you like to see that, Theo? Or do you think, um, from a different generation, of course, do you think that it's more important that we focus on Champions League and and and, and trying to try to peg back City and, and let the, the, the trophies kind of fall by the wayside? Um, I'd rather finish fourth and win both domestic cups and finish second and be trophyless. Uh, if you're saying City are probably going to win the league, just qualify for the Champions League, but have some trophies, have some something to show from it. Um, from a personal point of view, I, um, I, I come from club football background uh, in the lower leagues. So I love the domestic cups because it gave you a chance to go to the bigger uh, games. It was brilliant for the clubs you're at. Like in my first season, I got trips to Stamford Bridge and Anfield. Um, I got trips to the London Stadium, to Selhurst Park. And it was just the romance there. And you can see how much it means to these lower clubs. And yeah, it's not as important to the Premier League sides. And the romance in the FA Cup is probably gone. The fact that we, there was the celebration that Leicester City won it last year because it was someone a bit different as opposed to a big four or a big six side. But it's still anything can happen. Like We've seen some great upsets in the FA Cup already. And we're only at the fourth round now. Um, and it's just, well, Liverpool, they've been hard done by in the past in both cup competitions where they've been having to play a lot of Premier League sides. Like they've had Chelsea in them, they've had Arsenal in them, they've had Leicester in them. Klopp's had, I think they've had United and Klopp's had to have, face some tough sides and it's understandable why he's wanted to rotate and they've just got knocked out and it's like, oh, fair enough. But you've got to remember as well, the year they won the league, if it wasn't for this stupid scheduling, they'd have gone for it against Villa in the quarterfinals and they could have gone to the final that year as well. So when you get to the quarterfinal stage, you think, oh, you might as well have a go. Like if Liverpool weren't bothered about it, then they wouldn't have made the change they did at half-time against Leicester. They'd have just said, yeah, we're going out. We can forget about the League Cup. We'll just focus on the league now. Because this was before we were saying title race is over. That, this was before, right, right at the start of the festive period when it was still wide open. It's still a trophy and you still want to win it. You want to go to Wembley. Like It would be great to have, what, two, three trips to Wembley this season to go far in the Champions League. And it's just been so long since Liverpool had a good run in them. Like, I think fans of my generation will say that you don't care about the Cups as much. But West Ham game, 2006 FA Cup final, along with Istanbul, it's one of the greatest Liverpool games I've seen. It's the greatest FA Cup final I can remember, with probably the greatest Liverpool goal you're going to see from Steven Gerrard in that context in the last minute. That game had everything, own goals, wonder saves, goalkeeping errors, and then Pepe Reina being, going from villain to hero in the shootout. It's like you want moments like that again. Uh, 2012 League Cup final wasn't as exciting. Uh, 2012 FA Cup final, let, let's not talk about that one because that was disappointing. But it still gave us the semi-final against Everton. There were still some great moments from these cup runs. And you want more of that. You want to be able to have the trophies. Um, I can't remember who said it. I'm guessing it was Pep Linders. 
in one of the press conferences this year. It was like this Liverpool squad can't really count themselves legends if they haven't won the domestic cups. I, that, that's fair. You want to have that over, that complete collection. And if they could win a couple of domestic cups this year, they've got the complete collection before Man City have because Man City mm-hmm. is still lacking in Europe. And it just feels like this Liverpool squad, they haven't won enough, have they? Let's be honest. They've won four trophies. And while they've got the big ones, they've been champions of England, champions of Europe, champions of the world. They need a bit more. And it is getting to that stage where some of them are moving on. Some of them have already moved on. You need them to show a bit more for it so it can be more successful. Pandemic's not helped been challenging on these fronts. But now they're in a situation where they can go for it. Go for it. Try and win them. Uh, the, the, having to do this at the moment without Salah and Mane. But you still got faith in Roberto Firmino leading the line. Or if it's giving Harvey and Elliott a chance, now he's back from injury, Curtis Jones. They've still got some really talented second string players. And then you look at the youngsters like Connor Bradley, Owen Beck, Kay Gordon, Tyler Morton. There is that collection there that they can balance it well and compete on all fronts. And yeah, these are the games you, you remember. Like Liverpool fans, at the end of the season, you're not going to remember beating Brentford, what was it, 3 0, whatever it was. You're going to remember, say, beating. Arsenal in a semi-final or whoever they get in the later stages of an FA Cup run. Those are the memorable games. Those are the games you enjoy. It's what It might not be as glamorous as the Champions League, but those are the ones that put you on your road to glory and are memorable in terms of winning silverware, not just the run-of-the-mill Premier League matches in the middle of the season. Yeah, you don't want to give up on the league yet, but you want to win these Cups. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. I think it was on Five Live or some of you talking the other day, some of these sports presenters saying, and if Jürgen Klopp doesn't win a domestic trophy, you can be seen as a failure at the time in Liverpool, which crashed <laughs> into a tree. You just think, what, could, what What? absolute nonsense do you speak? The man's an absolute utter legend for what he's done with that club. Do you think, Dan, just before we do head off, do you think, Dan, that this, the AFCON and the fact that we, we, we've lost Mane and, uh, and Salah, do you think it's made Liverpool... Play through the middle a little bit more. Do you think? Because I know, obviously, you know, Oxley Chamberlain scores a beautiful header with a fantastic mm. delivery from Robertson. But do you think it's sort of forcing? Because I think it's not a bad thing if it does. Because I think Liverpool need to start trying to break teams down through the middle rather than just going to them wings all the time, or at least diversifying Jordan the course ninety minutes so a team doesn't know really where to, where to, where to, whether to stick or twist Liverpool. But do you think losing those two players who are such a a central core for Liverpool and such a and always getting the ball delivered to them. Do you think because we've had to di- deal with different personnel that it's, it's it's almost somehow given us a little dimension that we didn't have? Possibly. I think it's still very much a work in progress. I mean, you know, it was until the second goal went in really against Brentford. It was still a bit of a stodgy performance. It was still a team struggling to find the right kind of rhythm. I mean, you know, Sal- Salah and Mane, arguably the two best wide forwards in the world, and obviously have been the absolute cornerstone of this golden era under Jurgen Klopp for the last four or five years. And both of them are freaks of nature in that in the, they very rarely get injured. So yeah. neither of them have missed a lot of football. So I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's any great surprise or any kind of terrible shame that that you take them out. And obviously things are a bit more disjointed and not as fluent as what they might have been. There, you know, and when it might have been Saturday when people talk about the various lineup possibilities for the Brentford game on Sunday, and there were some suggestions that maybe Liverpool might, you know, do God forbid four four two. Remember that it, it almost feels like it was a black and white thing. It, it's you know, it, it's 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 not a very popular system nowadays. Maybe the games evolved slightly. I always just kind of think, Fitzy, that you know, 
no matter what system you're playing, you, you, you want to have variation of tactic <clears throat> within the same squad, within the same 11, within the same match, within the same half. Because then, <clears throat> you know, it, it's, it's true in any sport. I think it's a, f- a phrase I've often heard, heard used in cricket. You always want to do what your, op- what your opponent least wants, what your opponent is least comfortable with. And I think if you, if if the opponent is constantly guessing and and isn't quite, and obviously the, the best the best Liverpool teams, the best football teams have that ability for players to interchange within you know interchange positions within the same move within the same match, and I think Liverpool have done that very successfully you know at times over the last couple of years. Obviously the fullbacks, Trent and Robertson, and I think after a not particularly brilliant performance by either against Arsenal, both of them looked better on Sunday. Um, I think with those two there, there's always going to be a certain element of playing down the flanks, but possibly think things are looking at yeah, a little bit narrow without Mane and Salah. And if that means that Pete, you know, some of your midfield players looking to punch through the middle a little bit more and get and get 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 shots off, you know what I mean? Start testing the goalkeeper from the edge of the box and outside the box, and just keep opponents guessing. I think that that really is is Liverpool's key because sort of the point you made, you mentioned earlier in the pod, Fitzy. You know, the vast majority of teams Liverpool play for the rest of this season probably will be like Arsenal after the sending off in that second leg, looking to sit in, bore us to death and say, go on, then break us down. And it's it's vitally important. And and to be fair, it's something that they kind of handle quite well, because this isn't a new thing. Something they've handled quite well in the last couple of years. Not to get frustrated, not to get um, tense and tight and nervy and edgy. And believe in, believe in your methods and believe in what you're doing and believe that it will have the results which we've seen have you know have been there for, for, for everybody to enjoy over the last few years yeah absolutely well listen the last uh the next the next little section of the games we've got we've got of course arsenal tomorrow and then crystal palace on sunday then a two-week break uh we have the break don't we till the 6th of feb which is the fa cup fourth round uh liverpool cardiff at home 12 o'clock kick off that one uh, and then we've got Leicester. We've got a couple of home games coming up, which is decent. We've got Liverpool, Liverpool, Cardiff at home. Then we've got the 10th. We've got five games in February. That's the 6th of Feb, Cardiff in the FA Cup. Then we've got the 10th of Feb is Liverpool, Leicester at home. Uh, we've got Burnley away. And then, we, of course, we've got the first right of the sixth round of 16 um, into Milan versus Liverpool away, first of all. Then we've got Norwich at home and West Ham at home. And then uh, into a home, three home games back to back. You missed uh, the League Cup final out there, Fitzy. Mr. League Cup final up there, of course. Mr. Optimism. Touch Thank you. Yeah, touch, I'm touching <laughs> You touched your head, Dan. No need for that. So I'm <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. Look, as it always is with Liverpool, you know, uh, plenty of games still to come, plenty to wade through. But in the words of Dan Kay, I think at the start, it ain't over till it's over, baby. You know, this Liverpool Football Club, while there's a chance, while there's a glimmer of hope, we are going to try our very, very best to peg them back. And we're going to make it very, very hard for them to do to romp anything. Uh, listen, Theo Squires, thank you very much, my friend. Uh, you were double-clicking on the mouse button there. You ain't clicking your toenails, were you? No, nah, mouse button. God, I thought so. Otherwise, there must be talons then. Hands <laughs> <laughs> are up here. I'm not Paul Scholes. Oh, that's fair enough. <laughs> very good, son. Yeah. Uh, Dan Kay, on that, on that bombshell. Uh, Dan Kay, thanks very much, pal, as well. Um, Cheers, Fitzy. Nice one, mate. You guys again, thanks Leo and thanks Dan. Uh, to all you Reds out there, keep the faith with Liverpool. We are going nowhere yet. We are hot on the heels, win our game in hand, and then possibly beat City at the Etihad, and we are in the race again. Uh, thank you for listening wherever you are. Uh, thank you for supporting all of the Blood Red uh, network of podcasts, and we'll uh, see you all again, all again soon on Poetry in Motion. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel. <laughs>